Oh, I'm going to do a year Bible. Anyone done that? I'm going to do a Bible reading in a year. Read the whole Bible in a year and you get to Genesis 28 and you're like, yeah, I'm done. Uh, I don't know how many times I've read Genesis 1 to 20. Anyone else? And it's January. I'm going to read it. Oh, heavens. And I mean, you hit Leviticus. It's like, I can't do this. I'm over. Um, so it's not a sprint. It's, not a, it's a lifestyle, not a fact. It's not something that you do. This is, this is who we are. Um, oh, thank you. Sorry, I am a walker, but I'm, I, I'm, these are new for me. Glasses, anyone got to that age where you have to have glasses? And so as I'm lecturing, I've got all this stuff that I need to put everywhere. Um, okay, so as I walked in this morning, I had a word for, is it Phil? Um, I'm, I, when the teacher gets a prophetic word, there's something in the house. So, <laughs> it's, it's you guys, not me. No, it's all right. Um, when I saw you, um, I, the word restoration, straight away. Restoration. I'm a crier, by the way. Ah. That beyond what you even think, beyond what you can perceive God is about to do, he is going to do it. And it's not by, because you've been faithful, because you've walked the hard yards, because you've walked the journey, Keep walking the journey, keep tidying the, the stuff around your mind. I see a battle over your mind and I see that that's coming to an end. That's actually what's limiting you. Your own thoughts about yourself, your own thoughts about past circumstances. Enough. Because as I was looking at you, God said two things, restoration and he said he's limiting himself in his mind. There is a new door before you. It's your choice to walk through it. And it's a new ministry. I see it as a, mi- a real ministry door. It's not, it's not, you know, I love that you're sitting there in production and that's a real servant heart. But it's what your heart is. And this door is going to open and, and I see this beautiful restoration of your ministry gifts over you. So um, pray blessing over you. Um, and yeah. Okay. So let's jump into the word. Why am I so passionate about this book? Twelve, 12 years ago, and I'm, not, I'm going to give you the, the short version. Uh, Twelve years ago, I had a faith crisis. Anyone had a faith crisis? I looked down at my um, three-and-a-half-year-old nephew who had died. And everything in me broke. It just snapped. I remember hearing my sister on the phone um, saying that her, her baby, Dion, had died. He had cerebral palsy. I remember my whole faith just... Has there, have anyone had that moment where it just breaks? Just gone. I was a minister at the church. I walked in the next Sunday and I said, I'm sorry, I'm out. And I literally, from the front row, walked out the back door. And I just, for six months, had a faith crisis. I, I could not get my head to stop spinning. I couldn't get... I, I, I prayed, I tried to pray, but there was fog. You know, like this morning, there was fog everywhere. And uh, I went to a pastor and said, I'm, I'm, I'm not good. I'm actually really not good. And he said, okay, you need to get the word of God back into your head. You need to get a weapon back into your hand. Some of you this morning are in that fog, like driving through the fog this morning. I was very grateful for the GPS because I had no idea where we were going. <laughs> I'm like, I think there's fields. But I'm, you know that moment in your Christianity where you can't see because of the fog and you've got to rely on the word of God. But some of you have dropped the word of God and you start wandering around. Kerry reminded me this morning we went to London, Hyde Park. Hyde Park is supposedly maybe a 30-minute walk through. Three hours we were lost in Hyde Park. <laughs> Because we walked into the fog and we walked around and around and around for three hours. We came out one side and I said, I'm never going back into there. Um, And then we found out the next day in the beautiful sun that it was a 20-minute walk. And God reminded me this morning, he said, some of you have been walking around the mountain for a long time 
because you haven't stopped and got your GPS back in your hand. You need to go, okay, let's be serious. So let's have a look at the Bible. I absolutely love the Bible. Jody, you wrote these notes, right? These were so good. We get series, oh, we get series notes. And I'm like, whoever wrote these is incredible. And then I found out it was your pastor. So, uh, so good. Let me read this. It says, the Bible is not a single work, but a collection of works written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by over 40 different authors. Now, they, this is who they are. They're shepherds, they're kings, they're farmers, they're priests, they're poets, they're scribes and fishermen. I love this. Authors also include traitors, embezzlers, adulterers, murderers and auditors. Don't you love that moment? They're not all really righteous and holy. This book is for everyone. My passion on Trash Your Bible is to stop the Bible being an academic text. Because I'm starting to hear people say, I'll read the Bible when I go to Bible college. No, this book is what fishermen have written to, to have their life. This book is a book for everyone. So let me jump into some points for you. I've got six points. I wanted seven because seven's the holy number. God said, don't make one up. It's not good. So I have six. <laughs> I'm like, can I have one more? Let's balance it. No, no, no. You've got to go with what God says. Um, number one, it's our foundation of truth. If you're writing notes, number one, it's our, your foundation of truth. Now, as I say these points this morning, I know that some of them are just going to quicken in your spirit of, hey, maybe I've dropped that. Maybe I don't believe that about the word this morning. Maybe I need to activate that in my life this morning. So number one, truth. What is truth? Truth is your reality, your fact. And in a society today that is telling us what to believe and what is truth, as a church and as a people, we need to know the truth of the word of God. We can walk into situations and say, they can say, no, 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 you're, the truth is what you feel. The truth is what your culture tells you. The truth is what your family tells you. But as Christians, we need to know that the truth is based in this book and this book alone. And we're going to be challenged in the truth. We're going to be challenged in do we believe it? Can I, this is the funniest quote, and I know I'm quoting Captain America, but I just thought it was a great quote. Not Bible, close, Captain America. So here we go. Um, this nation was founded on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. In a society today that is telling us move the boundaries of truth for grace, we have to take a stand and say, no, this book is truth. Now, some of you this morning may have had a hiccup and that maybe the things that you believed in this Bible didn't happen, so you no longer believe it's truth. Maybe this morning you need to get that back in your brain that this is actually reality, not your emotions, not your circumstances. When I was in depression for six months, after six months, I had to believe that I was more than a conqueror. If you've been in depression for six months, that's very hard to believe. I remember lying in bed and I was reading the Bible and it's like, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I'm like, really? Seriously? But I had to believe this as truth more than my emotion. So some of you this morning need to get that. Action point number one. I'm going to give you action points. Such a teacher thing. <laughs> action point number one is this. Regularly read your Bible. If this is truth, it has to be in you. Okay, unfortunately, osmosis or, you know, holding this doesn't bring the truth to you. You actually have to read it. So have a regular Bible time. My Bible time, I'm, I'm, I'm a prayer in the morning time, so six o'clock I'm up. I'm not really a morning person, but Jesus is a morning person. I don't know why Jesus is a morning person. But if, if that doesn't work for you, then maybe on the bus. If you've got 20 minutes commute, Kerry had an hour and a half commute, so she would just read her Bible on the bus. Maybe after you drop the kids off at school, Go somewhere by a river or something, but have a regular set-out Bible time. 
um, organic Bible reading doesn't work, when I feel like it doesn't work, because you'll never feel like it. So that's number one. Establish this as truth. Number two, establish this as your identity. When I was um, going through this, God said, your identity is based in what you do, not what I say. And because everything went wrong, my identity fell. Your identity has to be based on what the Word of God says about you. You are more than a conqueror. You are holy. You are blameless. But if you don't know what this says about you, society will tell you your identity. Let me show you some scriptures on this. Um, in, in the Gospels, when you read the Gospels, I'm a big believer of reading the books as they are originally intended as books. This is a collection of 66 books, not pick your own adventure verses. That's the teacher in me. <laughs> I say to my students, they're like, oh, can't I just flip and open it? And I'm like, oh, or can I just read a verse a day? Is there any book other than this book in history that we think we're going to get the message by reading it bit by bit? Why would you do this to a text where they have spent hours upon hours upon hours writing these beautiful scripts and we read one paragraph? I can imagine going to heaven and saying, oh, yeah, Paul, I read one of your letters. I think it was maybe a verse. He'd be like, thanks for that. <laughs> no, you can say, no, I read Romans. No, I read this. So we read it as a text. Now, the, how we get it to establish our identity. When you read the Gospels, you can see that Jesus is impacted by so many different people around him. There's these spheres that try and take his identity. The crowd tries to tell him who he is. The disciples try to tell him who he is. Satan himself tries to tell him who he is. And the thing that establishes Jesus through the whole text is number one. Have a look at Mark 1.11. It says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is this encounter moment where Jesus has an encounter with the Father and the Holy Spirit and it establishes his identity. Now, when you were saved, you had a fresh identity given to you. Now, that's a not a one-off deal. Why do I know that? Because time and time again, let me show you, in Matthew 14, 23, after he had sent the crowds away, don't you love it? Then sometimes, can I say, sometimes for you guys, you need to send the crowds away. Young people, Facebook does not identify who you are. You're looking at Instagram going, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. No, 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 no. The Bible tells you who you are. Otherwise, we're going to be this topsy-turvy people that's battling in our brain. He had to send those other influences away and he went up on the mountain by himself to pray and it was evening, he was there alone. This morning, I want you to get a fresh understanding that as you have these regular times, you are having an identity moment with God where he can speak to you directly and say, you are chosen you are holy. This is you. So as I read this, jump into Ephesians. I'm so excited. Sorry. I get a little passionate about jumping into Ephesians. And yes, my Bible is hard to read at the moment. I need a new one. Um, anyone had trashing error where your highlighter goes through it? Oh, it's awkward. I have those moments, trashing errors. When you have a look at Ephesians, um, Ephesians 1 to 5 sets the identity of who you are to, what you are to stand on. And Ephesians 6 is the warfare. Now, what we do as Christians is jump into the warfare because we all love the warfare scripture, don't we? Ephesians 6.10, stand and all the, put on the armour of God. But if you don't read Ephesians 1-5 to that establishes you in him, that keeps you seated in heavenly places, that tells you you are holy and chosen and blameless, your warfare means nothing. Why? Because you're warring from works, not from identity. 
and you're wondering in your Christian life why your warfare isn't working because you're not warring out of a security of identity. You're warring because the Bible tells me I'm supposed to war, but I'm not sure how to do this. Okay, so number two, it's your identity. As you read it, get to know who you are. Imagine it speaking to you directly. Number three, it keeps us in him. In a world that wants us out of him, stay in him. John 15, 5 to 8, I am in the vine, you are the, sorry, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Who wants to bear fruit this morning? Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in, my, in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. See that? Not just remaining in Jesus in prayer, but his words remaining in you. I love that. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Who wants that? I want ask whatever you wish, it will be done. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The thing about your Bible time is it's a counselling session with Jesus alone. I love it when I read my Bible. Oh, sometimes I love it, sometimes I don't. <laughs> you know that moment where you're reading your Bible and he's like, uh, Katie, that was for you. And you're like, ah. Oh. And he, he kind of sticks your, his finger in your heart and you're, you know, like you're reading on forgiveness. And you're like, oh, no, I read on forgiveness. You want to go back to the God is amazing and the power ones, but he's, he's, he's doing this counselling. This is your Bible time. And if you're not getting that Bible time with him, this counselling session with him, who else is counselling and shaping you? It's that moment where he sticks his finger into your heart and says, can we deal with that rock? Can we deal with that? Remain in him. And the reason remaining in him, because all the nutrients come from that vine. You stay fresh and flourishing. If you cut off from the nutrients and you wonder why you're withering, connect back in. And so my Bible time is my time where I'm like, Jesus, I'm here. I'm plugging in again, and I'm going to get the nutrients from this word. Um, I say to my students, milk it for all it's worth. I give them a verse and I'm like, come back to me and milk it for all it's worth. And they have to t get everything they can out of this text. Okay, so action point number three, ask the Holy Spirit to counsel you and really show you these scriptures. This isn't just words, this is a counseling session. Number four, it's a weapon in your hand. When I was um, going through my time, um, God said this, he said, you dropped your weapon and you're slapping the enemy and it's not working. And um, he actually showed me a vision because I am a Star Wars fan. <laughs> and he showed me a vision of me standing in front of Darth Vader and I was like, uh, 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 uh. And that was so awkward. And I was like, oh, that's awkward. Please don't show me that. And he's like, you have a lightsaber in your hand. You have a weapon in your hand, but you don't know how to use it. It's like Stephen going to his job and going, oh, well, I don't really know how to fire a gun and I'm not really sure how to do this, but I'll give it a good go. And we wonder why. It's like he needs to train to do that. Praise Jesus, you need to train to do that. Sarah appreciates that you're trained to do that. You're trained to use that weapon. You're trained to know how, it's, how it works and in the situation. Soldiers don't go into a war without training. Yet what happens in our Christian life is we pick up the Bible when things go wrong, but we haven't used it as a training we haven't been trained in it. So number four, it's a weapon in your hand. I love this. 2 Corinthians 10.4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. When I walked in here this morning, God said this. There are some strongholds over your mind in this room that you've allowed. They're actually now how you think you normally think. 
It's, it's, it's how I normally think. This is, it's like me, I'm quite negative. Oh, it's because my father's negative and, or it's because my family's negative. And I've allowed that to be in my life where, and I have dropped my sword. Whereas what I should actually do is pick, pick up my sword and say, you are not allowed to be in my life. I am not negative. So this morning, there are lies that have been planted. Let me tell you one thing. When my nephew died, I had a lie planted in my head. Now, you're going to laugh at this because I do, but it's okay. Um, the lie that was planted in my head was that the blood of Jesus lasts 24 hours. I know. It's because the daily prayer and someone taught me that the daily prayer has to be prayed every day. Otherwise, Satan can come in and attack you. So for five years, I prayed in fear for my family. Every day. There's no fruit in fear, by the way. Every day, Lord, I pray blessing over my, my mum, my dad, my sister, all the, all the kids. The day I didn't pray, Dion died. So what happens to that lie? Satan goes, yes, she didn't change it. Yes, she kept that seed planted. I didn't swap it with the word. The second he died, Satan, I, the lie flourished and he said, from this point on, everything that happens to your family is your fault. I remember going to my knees and going, oh my gosh, I didn't pray. It's me. So for the next six months, that's what sent me into depression. I couldn't walk into church because I had basically allowed Satan to kill my nephew. A lie. Until some beautiful pastor stepped up and said, what the heck is going on, Katie Haldane? And I said, first time I confessed it because I didn't want to confess it to anyone. First time I confessed it and I said I killed him because I didn't pray. He laughed. He's like, what? I said, no, no, don't you know that the word... <laughs> don't you love when you correct that? Don't you know that the word says the blood of Jesus only lasts 24 hours? And he's like, what? He said, have you even read it? <laughs> I said, it doesn't say that? He said, no. Oh, my gosh. So he opened the scriptures up to me. And he showed me the power of the blood of Jesus. And he showed me the scriptures. And as soon as the, the truth started getting into my... The lie went. Bam, 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 unlock, unlock, unlock. And I got set free completely of depression. I walked out of that meeting and I was like, my gosh, I can see. Some of you today need to get a weapon back in your hand. It needs to be this. Satan's bringing thoughts into your head. You need to start fighting. I love this. This scripture came to me, um, 2 Samuel 23, 10. Sorry, I've jumped a couple. Um, but Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Some of you need to go into heaven like this with your hand tired, but you've still got the sword in your hand because what you've done is you've dropped your sword. Okay, number five, it's equipping you for the future. You have such great, um, Jess, was it? Man, Sarah and Stephen, when they said about you, they said, um, you've got a beautiful family. And then Sarah, I don't know who said it, said, but the call of God on this girl is incredible. She's doing the family thing now, but the call of God on her is incredible. When you read the word, you are equipping yourself for the next step. No matter where you are right now, I know being a mum is full on, but get ready for the next step. Get, start reading the word and he's going to give you sermons and things to preach and what to do. Get ready because you don't want the opportunity to preach and go, well, I didn't do it. I didn't get ready. So equip and be empowered. But for good works. Even when you're standing out in the street and someone says to you, what's the truth about Jesus? Have the word of God in your mouth. I love this scripture. It says this, 
2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work. I want to stand before my family and not say, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't got anything to give you. I want to stand before my community and say, no, I have the truth. Can I say that they're crying out for the truth? They're crying. I, I am watching. I spoke to the Bible Society. We are just about to launch a um, Bible companion with the Bible Society. And we were talking with the Bible Society and she said, I am watching Satan take the sword out of Christians' hands because they're embarrassed. They're dropping. And I was like, and I said to her, not on my watch. <laughs> and she was like, because I was laughing. She's like, whoa, you're so passionate. I said, not on my watch will this become old-fashioned. Not on my watch will this become irrelevant to your Christian life because the world out there needs the truth. Okay, last point. It's a doing book. Has anyone tried to read a gym book and get fit? (laughs) I've done it many times. It doesn't work. (laughs) You can't read this book without doing it. I'm sorry, you have to do it. Can I read you the message, Bible? This is a really fun, um, in James 1.22. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Don't you love the message? It's like the slap up the head. Um, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they are, look like. What he's saying is this. You see a reflection in the mirror and you know your identity and then you walk away and you forget it. Why? Because you haven't actually put it into place. I love this. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, what God says about him, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, I love that, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. You're going to read the Bible and things are going to jump out at you and you have to do them. I say to my students, where it says, if you, it's not joking. It's not joking. It says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will heal their land. We want the healed land, but we don't want to humble ourselves and pray. It's an action book. Some of you are reading it, and, you know, I read Romans where it talks about, you know, Paul is passionate about action, thinking first and then action. If you read Ephesians, it's like love one another, forgive one another, and these aren't gorgeous Frankie these aren't um she's so gorgeous these aren't just (laughs) suggestions open up your bible to Ephesians let me show you again you're probably already there because I left you there didn't I sorry and then we're going to finish up can I say don't leave this room with lies in your head I genuinely wish that somebody had told me the truth before I had to have a complete meltdown I genuinely wish I'd listened to somebody. I'm sure God sent somebody, but I was so set. I genuinely wish that somebody said, Katie, you need to read your Bible. Katie, you need to know your word. Because what Satan wants, he doesn't want us here. He doesn't want you preaching. He doesn't want you worship leading. He doesn't want you. You are a threat to him. Pastor Phil said to me the other day, Katie, you're a threat to Satan just when you wake up. And I was like, well, that's why he seriously tried to take me out. And that's not just me. That's all of us. You've got to know your weapon. So in Ephesians, see the back of Ephesians where it, it, it starts to get a little bit more. Um, jump to Ephesians 5. I love the book of Ephesians. Can you tell? I've trashed it. Um, what happens in Ephesians, as I said, is 1 to 3. In Paul, what he does is thinking before actions. 
And what we do is we love the thinking, but we don't love the actions, where he starts to say, love one another, forgive one another, read your Bible. James is worse. James says, if you do this, he just casts you to Satan. Has anyone read the book of James? My students read James and they're like, oh my gosh, Paul was nice. James is off the planet. James is like, I'm just going to throw that person to Satan. And you're like, heavens, he wouldn't be preaching in our churches. No, uh, yes, he would. <laughs> but there's actions in there that, that are going to stir you. And just like reading a book, you kind of want it to just happen. You're going to have to like, we say, you're going to have to go to the gym. You're going to have to actually do these things. You're going to actually have to follow so this morning, there's six things that this word is. One, it's truth. Maybe you've dropped it. Maybe you don't believe in it. Maybe someone's questioned it and you're doubting. Number two, it's your identity. Number three, it's your counselling session with him. Number four, it's your weapon. Number five, it equips you for your future. And number six, it's a doing book. Let's close your eyes this morning. I know I've been talking about the word and stirring you on for the word but the number one entry point to this is Jesus himself and if you've walked into the back of this church and you're hearing this crazy lady talk about the bible but you don't know him you've never given your life to him that's the first point don't read this book without the author of the book being in you because when you know him this book comes alive so I'm going to just stop this morning and just say if you don't know him you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then I'm going to say, put up your hand. If you maybe have slipped away, maybe, maybe you've, your heart's grown cold, maybe you're looking at me like she doesn't know. Yeah, I do know what it means to slip away. I do know what it means to have a broken heart and be discouraged and walk away. And if that's you this morning, then let's get back to Christ. I'm going to get you also to put up your hand. Third thing is this, if you don't believe that you're going to heaven, that, that is an assurance of salvation that we want you to have. We want you to have a confidence that I am going to heaven. So put up your hand if that's it. Let me pray for you first. Father God, you're doing something in this room over hearts. But first and foremost, Lord, if there's anyone in this place that needs you, I ask that you would quicken their heart right now. Don't let them leave without having the best helper, salvation, freedom from sin. If that's you this morning and there's one of those three people, I want you to put up your hand boldly. Thank you. Beautiful. Don't leave here with this. If you don't feel like you're going to heaven, then get, get it done today. Beautiful. Church, I'm going to get all of us to say this. Hey, dear Lord Jesus. I come to you this morning and I accept you as my Lord and my Saviour. Wash me clean. Cleanse me of my sin. Make me new. I start my journey with you. Holy Spirit, fill me right now. Empower me to live this life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so proud of the you this morning. What's, sorry, what's your name, the girl that put up her hand? What's your name?